Hi, welcome to Marvel Standom. I'm still not your host, Mike Cicchini. I'm Den of Geek News and Features Editor Kirsten Howard, and with me, as always, are Den of Geek Editors Katie Burt and Alec Bajalit. This week, we're taking a look at the most highly anticipated Marvel film of the year, Spider-Man No Way Home, which, as we speak, is making an eye-watering amount of cash at the box office. Now, we've talked a lot before about how with these big ensemble movies, there are a lot of characters to juggle, so the film story has to stay quite small, and No Way Home is no different. Peter Parker gets Doctor Strange to cast a spell to make people forget his identity, the spell goes wrong, and Peter and Strange have to set things right. That's in a, in a nutshell. But let's get into it and start with the positives. Alec, what were the triumphs of this movie for you? I think the triumphs of this movie is the fact that it was good. Um, stuff like this, which is clearly, I don't know, I don't want to get difficult and weird about this right off the top. The episode just started. Uh, Go on. But, <laughs> Please. I know. <laughs> stuff like this that clearly exists <clears throat> as part of a corporate mandate. Like, I mean, this movie almost certainly exists because Sony is checking its spreadsheets, realizing it needs a big hit near the end of the year. Besides, well, we have all these various Spider-Men across various different properties that we've done for years. Why don't we just combine them? Like, the multiverse is hot. The kids love it. Um, so it is kind of, its mere existence is kind of like, you know, a soulless we're supposed corporate to be, cash grab. Like We're supposed to be talking about positives, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> like most things are. And the positives are that it's good. I don't know. It works. It's funny. Tugs at the heartstrings. I think this is maybe Tom Holland's best performance of the three, which is saying a lot because this is there's a lot for him to do in here, and there is a other Spider-Man um, competing for attention. I enjoyed this movie overall. I don't think I liked it as much as maybe you did, Alec. I think what it did well, at least for me, was um, it did a really good job with the legacy characters, I think, giving them emotional beats, especially in the final act. I'm thinking especially about um, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, saving MJ. That really worked for me um, for lots of different reasons. But also just seeing them be together because I think Spider-Man is like such can be such a lonely superhero, and especially in the two previous um, incarnations. So to see them have each other was very nice, although also made the ending so much more heartbreaking. I think the movie served those characters better than it served its the MCU characters, which is interesting. <laughs> um, but we can talk more about that later, and uh, I'll see if you guys agree or disagree. Yeah, someone said to me, uh, you'd have to be dead inside not to love the three Peters on screen together. Like, I wouldn't go that far, but I understand the sentiment. Uh, I love seeing those three on screen and the majority of their interactions really worked well for me. Um, I love how they were all so naturally wholesome and had each other's backs, in one case, literally. At the end, it was all getting perhaps a little saccharine, but by then I was too far gone to care, really. Um, also, I will say that my kids went to see this movie yesterday and they have only seen the Tom Holland movies. They have no frame of reference for other Spider-Men or the villains, and they loved it. So as much as this is fan service for fans of the other movies, it worked for them purely as a straight-up Spider-Verse film, you know? They also love Into the Spider-Verse, and they were all in. And now they're excited about watching like the older Spider-Man movies, especially Andrew Garfield's. So I think No Way Home is going to 
convert a young generation to the other films who, well, didn't really give a f about them before, if you know what I mean. I think that's so interesting because, you know, they're not, not Marvel movies, and obviously Sony and Marvel are making these movies together, but for, yeah, I don't know. It feels like this movie is so much about, like, go back and watch all these other movies that aren't in the MCU. This movie made your kids want to watch The Amazing Spider-Mans. Maybe it shouldn't exist. <laughs> well, well, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man feels a lot more fun in this one. I think Andrew Garfield is kind of like a, a, a stealth MVP of this movie. Mm -hmm. I think he's having the most fun. He or Willem Dafoe is having the most fun of anybody on screen. Mm. Yeah, Willem Dafoe was just, as soon as he came on screen, it was just, you know, acting sort of masterclass, putting everyone to shame, really. <laughs> Okay, um, let's get into the more, well, I'd say the probably controversial negatives since everyone seems to be heaping praise on this movie, but, you know, not ev anything is perfect for everybody. What didn't work for you, Alec? I actually have two big complaints for this movie. The first being Doctor Strange is just kind of off. And maybe this is just a byproduct of how these movies are made and... You know, you have different writers writing different characters all the time. Uh, but this Doctor Strange just felt kind of different and inconsistent with the other Doctor Stranges that we've seen. Uh, he's very gung-ho and cavalier about re like wiping the world Earth's memories because his little buddy can't get into MIT. That just seems a little more irresponsible than I would anticipate. Seems totally in character to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like after you like give up the time stone to Thanos and experience 14 million different perspective uh, timelines to figure out how to defeat him. Maybe, he has I, a lot more peer pressure in that scenario. He's just kind of like doing his own That's thing. True. He's the true villain of this movie, in my opinion. Or when the trailers came out, I was really hoping that that was an imposter, Doctor Strange. Like we finally got our Mephisto, you know, a year later, <laughs> finally Mephisto's made his appearance or something. Uh, but no, it was Doctor Strange and he was, I mean, like Benny Cumberbatch did his best, but the character was just written a little weird. Did you have a number two? I did have number two. <laughs> it's kind of become like a matter of fact that these third acts in Marvel movies are not kind of boring like very cgi stuff and i feel like that is particularly the case in this movie it's just wild to me that you can have three characters in identical blue and red costumes and then do almost nothing to distinguish them from each other from the fact that they aside from the fact that they take their masks off occasionally and then have them fight lizard people and octopuses in the dead of night on scaffolding around the uh revamped statue of liberty uh, yeah, the third the, the third act fight scene was not very interesting. But it is interesting, like going into these, expecting that, and how that changes. Maybe your you're like, oh yeah, that was about what I expected. Versus like, if you have higher expectations <laughs> yeah. for an action scene, and then it it's sucks. like two thirds of a way through a Marvel movie, you have to get all the enjoyment you're gonna get out of it by that. Yeah, the fact that there is a consequence and a part that a sizable part that comes after that battle, I think makes this movie better. I don't know. I feel like my, like, comic book movie references um, sensor was on, and so just being at the Statue of Liberty made me think of the first X-Men movie. I was just, like, excited to be looking for any sort of connections. 
I really don't like Doctor Strange, but I also don't know if it's a problem. <laughs> I guess it depends where... It might be. It depends where the MCU continues to go with this character. They seem to think he's a hero, so... <laughs> Agree to disagree at this point. But um, the fact that this is framed as Peter's fault um, is hard for me. Um, because. But I also think that it feels in character... Um, as, as I see the Doctor Strange character. Like, Peter is a literal child still. Also, the fact that he's asking for help to, like, fix this MIT problem while Doctor Strange is wearing, like, an Ivy League University sweatshirt. And, like, couldn't he make a few calls? <laughs> like, this is what institutional privilege is. Like, yeah, of course Peter didn't think about asking. Like, but you probably should have. <laughs> In terms of the other things that didn't work for me, I am, I'm not actually against necessarily them killing Aunt May. I just wish that they had really put more effort into Peter and May's relationship at any point in this trilogy. Um, because that would have gone a long way, I think, for that, for that feeling like more of an emotional punch. Um, I don't feel like we've ever really, or I've never really understood, um, their relationship like obviously on an intellectual level i understand that she is his caregiver and they love each other um but she's always been kind of this character that is at the periphery and doesn't at least for me never got like a lot of meaty scenes and i also i'm just kind of tired of the the logic jump from someone murdered like someone i love to like i'm gonna murder them like i know that is like a, maybe that is like a very human response, but there's lots of other responses I think to that situation, and I don't necessarily think that Tom Holland's Spider-Man has been characterized in a way where that is. I mean, I could see him making that choice, but I wish they had put a little bit more effort into like explaining why, or you know, like he's had people he loved die before. There's just there could have been tighter characterization, especially I think for for our main Spider-Man. Yeah, it seems like they um, could have made room for that if they had perhaps not gone for as many villains as they had. The negatives for me were mainly that the villains were a mixed bag in terms of how well they worked together on screen. Lizard and Sandman especially, the CG was uh, lackluster and during the fights it, it was muddy and that final fight is set at night obviously. Uh, we've seen that a lot with Marvel movies. Sometimes the CG can just be quite overwhelming on the eyes, like very impersonal and not as effective as some of the closer face-to-face -face stuff. Um, it also did feel like Aunt May's death was just a little... And now this is what Peter needs to become the man that he needs to be. And I, I like Katie, I'm not really a fan of those, um, of using female characters like that. You know what's so weird is that <clears throat> they they really did not need to have more than three villains. Because, like, I mean, Doc Ock is iconic, Green Goblin's iconic, and then throw Electro in there because Jamie Foxx is fun. When they introduced Lizard and Sandman in the trailer, you're like, okay, they're going for six. Like, we're going to do a Sinister Six. And it's so weird that they stop short of it's six. like someone didn't show up. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would they... <laughs> if you're not going to do six, then there's no reason to fall exactly one short of six. They could have just kept it to three villains and everything would have been fine. Right. Yeah, now I just want to, like, 
um, interview Kirstie's kids about <laughs> their reactions to so many parts of this movie. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah. I can tell you exactly what they thought uh, if you give me a moment in the movie they've they've talked about it non-stop since they got back last night so <laughs> my eldest do they like the has, villains they they actually didn't meant oh no they hated green goblin they were they were Ooh. really mad at him because he was uh, a bad man my eldest now has a huge crush on andrew garfield that soured a little bit when she found out he was 38 I went into this movie thinking, like, it seems like they saw Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and wanted to make one, um, yes. which I thought would work more against it because that movie is basically perfect. <laughs> um, and this movie is not as good because, again, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is perfect. Um, but it didn't it didn't annoy me as much as I thought it would. Like, that didn't actually... Like, I thought that was ambitious to be like, we're going to do this again, like, a few years later. I guess. Good job. Marvel should put that on a poster. <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home. It didn't annoy me as much as I thought it would. Den of Geek. Please. <laughs> you know what I thought was fun? Remember when we were, you know, pouring over the trailers and we saw the mysterious uh, lizard get punched, like, from nothing? That was a kick! He kicked lizard. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. was my most. That was the most visceral reaction I had in the in the theater. Like I didn't react for you know Toby and Andrew Garfield coming back. I li- I almost yelled out like it was a kick with <laughs> lizard connected with lizard. Yeah, I mean, so many of the things that people talked about um, in terms of the leaks and the spoilers and just uh, the fans sort of writing moments of this movie themselves and them actually coming to life on the screen like just predicting what might happen and there were there were so many of them one thing i've heard a lot of the more extremely online amongst us saying is that the spoiler culture in the leaks surrounding this film especially knocked their enjoyment of it a little bit um because they were able there was not as much of a reaction as they would have had had they not have heard that perhaps Daredevil and Toby and Andrew were going to be in it and the trailers gave away a lot of the villain stuff. Although most publicity is good publicity and it didn't affect No Way Home's box office in any way, uh, it did set an unfortunate precedent for fans that I think many are hoping won't continue. Alec, Katie, what are your thoughts on this? As we've seen, it's not just like randos spoiling these films. It can be, you know, journalists um, who should know better. I mean, I'm still mad about Harry Styles. <laughs> the fact that I can be spoiled for a movie that I am going to see before it's, before it's released to the general public kind of blows my mind. But I also think that as long as people are reading these articles and clicking on these these articles, I don't see that changing. Especially because these movies are so big. So many people are involved and the production, especially if it's on location, is just impossible to hide. (laughs) I don't know. There's there's such a formula to these movies that even just seeing the trailer, I think if you're media literate, there's like a lot that you can guess (laughs) from, from even just like what's put out there. It's definitely complicated. You just threw a very big question at us, Kirsten. <laughs> no, it's cool. I like I like it. I like this this discussion. 
It's because we talk about it a lot off camera, you know, every time mm. a new leak comes out or uh, there's a huge spoiler and and you're like, okay, well, that's one more thing that I won't be surprised about. Mm. Um, there are some people in the Den of Geek team, not naming any names, John, but who enjoy spoilers and actually actively mm. seek them out because it actually helps them you know, enjoy the film better. But some of us are like, don't tell me anything. Like, I don't mm. want to know. Um, I don't want to know. I want to be surprised. So, but I feel like this film especially has been affected by that culture. In this conversation about spoilers, I think it's probably important to remember that not everybody is as terminally online as we are. <laughs> That's um, true. I don't have adorable children, but I do have some friends who are my age <laughs> in like in similar demographic to me, and they like you know going to superhero movies. They're not as plugged into the MCU of it or, or what have you. I think but I'm a civilians. <laughs> but I texted these normies uh, before Spider Man. I'm like, hey, and I had not taken in any spoilers. I tried to avoid it as best I can, but I texted them something like, uh, "Going to see Spider Man. Excited to see Toby and Andrew." They're like, whoa, they're in that movie? And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. It's not in, like, the... It's not in the... Uh, the, the, the <laughs> so you the spoiled your friends. Of the ads. <laughs> uh, but, like, you think they would introduce, like, Doc Ock and Green Goblin and Jamie Foxx? Not Electro, Jamie Foxx. And the, the, those two wouldn't be in there? They're like, oh, yeah, good point. I guess they probably are in there. So I guess, like, <laughs> point being that people just, like, they're not as plugged in... This mm -hmm. movie's going to make $170 trillion. And a lot of that money is coming from people who have not, you know, scrolled through the Spider-Man No Way Home hashtag for hours on end. And just kind of want to go <laughs> see a fun little Spider-Man. We're in kind of maybe a, like, growing pains period of figuring out the etiquette around spoiler culture. And I'd rather we try to figure it out. Like, I obviously there are tactics people take, like, especially, like, on Twitter, muting certain hashtags. Um... I'd rather we try to figure it out than have like Sony and Disney figure like start doing things like I don't know even excluding I don't know like excluding people from screen from screenings makes me nervous <laughs> which is not something that I don't like I don't think that's like been seriously discussed but um yeah yeah the only spoiler that's ever really made me mad was the one you mentioned Katie was the Harry Styles one because it was also from a post or a mid-credit scene, so it just feels like post-credits should be sacrosanct. <laughs> like I, I personally don't care about spoilers that much, but I feel like right. if like a movie goes through the trouble to like have something after the credits, like that is a signal that like okay, this right. is a spoiler. Spoiler. It's not a gray area about like I'm reviewing the movie and like it's not I'm not really sure how much I should discuss and how specific I should be. It's like not even a part of the central story of the movie. <laughs> I mean, on the subject of post-credit scenes, I hope you enjoy the segue, because uh, in Very No Way much. Home's <laughs> post-credit scene, we get a Venom Let There Be Carnage follow-up, as Eddie Brock tries to make sense of the MCU before he's thrown back to his reality. Uh, it's funny, when the credits started rolling on No Way Home, my boyfriend turned to me and he said, like, oh, thank God they didn't try and stick Venom in there, too. And then uh, Tom Hardy's face appeared. And he looked like he wanted to die, honestly. I can imagine if you're not a Venom fan. That whole scene just felt like a bit of a threat. Like the Sony Marvel, <laughs> the Sony Marvel Studios Spider-Man movies are pretty good. 
and the Venom movies, I'm I'm trying to put it nicely, are are not good. Um, so the idea that they might be actively trying to make a crossover movie happen isn't especially appealing to me, you know, personally. Um, is this the worst post-credit scene ever, <laughs> or is it actually super fun? I mean, I loved it, <laughs> but I like the Venom movies and. It just kind okay. of hammered. I know. I'm it just so kind sorry. of hammered. I just, I just oh no, no, just... it's okay. I'm not offended at <laughs> was all. Was mean about them. <laughs> but I also think it just hammered home how totally different, totally different they are. Um, and for me, that worked. Like I was like, yeah, I like, I like this tone. It's so different from like most of the MCU. Um, but I think I can obviously understand if you don't like that tone, <laughs> how that could feel like a threat. <laughs> I do not care about Venom at all. I am a fierce Marvel Studios partisan. Um, no other superhero movies exist as far as I'm concerned. So I've not seen either of the Venoms because anything outside of the MCU continuity does not fundamentally does not matter. But I was like, I was kind of charmed. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's the accent that Tom Hardy does in these? Like, if that, it made me think, like, maybe I should be watching these. Uh, and I love that Danny Rojas from uh, Ted Lasso was the bartender. I was more excited to see him than I was Tom Hardy because I've, I've only just started watching Ted Lasso. I'm like halfway through season two. So it's like, it's him. I think that Alec needs to go and watch Venom 1 and 2. <laughs> and then if he loves them, things will be even because Alec and Katie will both love Venom and me and Mike <laughs> will both be anti-Venom. And, oh, mm. anti-venom. I just, I didn't realize yeah. that. Um, that could be your spin-off <laughs> show. Yeah, anti-venom. We just ran about how bad those movies are all day. Well, we did get that um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness trailer at the end of No Way Home. We know so little about that movie that even this little snapshot of what to expect was a bit of an eye-opener. I was especially surprised to see Strange Supreme in there. I genuinely thought the last mcu show to have a big link to the sequel but it would be what if but here we are i don't think like the trailer excited me necessarily but i'm i'm already excited to see the movie because i'm just excited to see all marvel movies so <laughs> i'm maybe not the target demographic you've convinced me marvel i'll go see all of your movies i really enjoy dr strange in the mcu this movie aside so yeah i'm excited for that movie and i thought the trailer looked interesting um I thought it was a bold move to introduce a trailer that communicates absolutely nothing. Before I saw Spider-Man No Way Home, I couldn't tell you anything about Multiverse of Madness. And after I saw Spider-Man No Way Home, I still can't tell you anything about Spider-Verse. <laughs> the trailer itself is very like piecemeal. Like there's a lot of like fade to black. So it was yeah. hard to figure out how these things are going to be connected. Like maybe intentionally. <clears throat> Looks like a weird like indie art piece. Like, just like a clip of, <laughs> like, like, a 30-second clip of completely unrelated images. Yeah, we still didn't get much information um, about it. But the... I, I think if this is following, and it seems to be following the, the episode four, I think it was, of What If, variant version of Doctor Strange um, was affected by Christine Palmer's death in such a way that he tried to reverse it and ended up breaking the universe or whatever. There was a lot of, there was more of that in this film than I would have expected to the point where I wonder, you know, is it going to be a similar plot? 
Um, probably this isn't the exact same Strange Supreme, but could be another one. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, literally any information that helps us with the actual story of the film. Um, why couldn't Peter and MJ and Ned just like film a cell phone video? You know, they're all despondent that they're going to forget who Peter is. Like, it wouldn't have been that hard mm. to just like take a picture with each other, just like doing this, like, <laughs> or just take a video trying to rapidly explain all this. Like, hey, look, we're best friends, but like, you know, some magic happened and some weird shit went down. <clears throat> um, I'll find you later. I'll text you this so you have it in your phone. I would imagine that all evidence linking Peter Parker to these people. I mean, we don't know what's up with the spell, but like would disappear because otherwise there would be like there would be pictures of him on MJ and Ned's phones. Um, yeah, it's really unclear. Or like there'd be records of him applying to MIT or like being in high school because we see him, you know, studying for the GED. There are a lot of follow up questions. <laughs> If Tom Holland came up to me on the street and he just like showed me a video of like him in a costume and like the both of us covered in blood, like doing this in front of like a Green Goblin corpse, I'd be like, what? I don't know. He's pretty charming. A quick one is that there's been some debate over where in the MCU timeline this movie is set. The final shots of the movie are Peter Parker responding to a disturbance and sort of um, thwipping over the ice rink where Kate and Clint have their final showdown or one of their final showdowns in the finale of Hawkeye this week. Do you think they're connected? Do you think people have been lying about them being connected? Will Spider-Man show up in the Hawkeye finale? Oh my god. Predictions, please. <laughs> I cannot imagine that happening, but it would be amazing. I just had a whole rant about how I don't want Kingpin to take up too much space in the Hawkeye finale, <laughs> but apparently my values are like not that solid because I'm like, yes, Spider-Man should show up even though he has no reason to emotionally in terms of the Hawkeye plot. There's enough flexibility in the in the MCU timeline. I think if you wanted to make that argument, it would it would hold water. I think Spider-Man No Way Home and Hawkeye taking place around the same time is like enough of an Easter egg as is. I don't think we need Peter Parker mm -hmm. to fly in randomly for the, the finale. In the beginning of the movie, they even like swing past a Rogers the Musical banner. Mm -hmm. um, it's very clearly like the same year, maybe the same fall, same winter. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I don't need. We don't need Tom Holland yeah. and Popeye and already overstuffed <laughs> Hawkeye finale. The, just the mere fact that they are set during the same time, I think, is enough. You know, third act problems aside, I really like where this movie ends. Uh, I, I'm stealing this point from somewhere else I saw online, and I can't remember who, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, random person, I'm attributing Shout it to Shout out to you. that random probably, person. Yeah, shout out probably random Reddit user. It's so funny that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man movies started by making a point to not to do an origin story. You know, we skip the spider biting him, we skip Uncle Ben, we skip all sorts of things. And then in the end, it all kind of secretly turns out to be like an enormous three movie origin story where we finally get to our little neighborhood Spider-Man in his lovingly homemade costume at the end, focusing on neighborhood crimes. 
That's it for this week's Marvel Standom. We'll be back lightning quick because Marvel still has to wrap up its Disney Plus series Hawkeye this week. Please like and subscribe. We really need your support. In the meantime, you can also find us on our web home of denofgeek.com where we write about the MCU in lots more detail. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Marvel Standom or at Den of Geek US. And if you've had enough of watching us, you can also follow Marvel Standom as a podcast on Spotify and Apple. See you soon. You're not Peter Parker. My name is Peter Parker. 